I was drifting away on life's pitiless sea when the angry waves threatened my ruin to be when away at my side there I dimly described a stately old vessel and loudly I cried ship a But once again, we say welcome aboard. It's good to be with you at this time. Brother Munn speaking. Our program here called the Mariner's Call. All by the grace of God, this old mariner, well, a converted mariner. The Lord took us out of the old Gulf of Mexico many, many years ago. Took me off of an old boat and put me in the book. I like using the book. In fact, we have an opportunity to use the book this day. Morning, evening, night, whenever you're listening to our program, God is so good. I appreciate the salvation that came to me in 1966 by the grace of God. Oh, I'm glad that I can say Jesus saves. I trust that you're a believer today. If not, I trust maybe something we'll say today to be able to help you. As far as you're seeking, you probably would not be listening to this program outside that you would be seeking. And uh, all for somebody that seeks all they can find if you seek with your heart. And then if you are a Christian, that all that God might just fill you with his spirit today uh, or whenever uh, you're listening and uh, give you victory in your life and joy in your soul and just knowing Jesus Christ. The book of Luke, Luke chapter 23. I'm going to read a number of verses here. I'm going to see if we can sort of answer a question. I've had people ask me, is there a way possible to live all your life in sin and get to the very end, and right before you die, you call out to God, and God will give you mercy and help? Some say definitely no. Others say, well, maybe there's a possibility. I've had people say, well, I'm going to sow my wild oats when I get to the end of my life, just before I die, I'm going to call and ask God for help. Others would say something like this, I'm just not ready. <clears throat> I've had people tell me that. They said, Brother Mon, I'm just not ready. I said, when are you going to be ready? They said, at least right before I die. Right before I die, what I'm going to do, I'm going to look toward heaven. I'm going to call and ask God for some help. Could God help somebody like that? Is there such a thing as deathbed repentance? Some people says definitely no. Others said maybe a possibility. What does the Bible say? What about the authority? Luke chapter 23, the authority on all matters of faith and practice. Luke chapter 23, we have a story here. They might give us maybe some answer here. We have our Savior now being crucified. Oh, between two thieves, according to Mark chapter 15, verse 27. And he hangs between heaven and earth. All right. Uh, I, I like verse 34, Luke chapter 23. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I cannot, I cannot understand how that the Savior, after he spent three and a half years giving of himself to these people, how still mercy and grace and help 
can uh, flood forth, come forth from his heart, and even offering forgiveness to people who is responsible for his crucifixion. And yet he does. And as far as these thieves are concerned, here's two, and we have some response from two of those. And uh, one I want to spend some time on. The one is in verse 39, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Can you imagine the, the fortitude of this man? Can you imagine this man having the nerve? Now, uh, we think about death. Death is grabbing hold of him. We think about life is issuing forth from his body. The only thing he can do is curse and blaspheme God. I don't understand that. Different attitude with the other thief. The other dying thief, I'm sure, has his head down. And he said, he answers, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? He told him, shut up. You know, just shut up. Don't you fear God? Don't you understand what's happening to us? And you know, this one here that says that, uh, you go on down a couple of verses here, and you get to verse 42, and he looks to Jesus and he says, Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. How can that be true? How could Jesus offer that to this man? Here we face with a man in the most undeserving condition. He's wasted his life in a criminal career. He spent all his money and his time and his health and what? His strength and opportunities on sin. He's lived on the bounties of God and breathed God's air and ate God's food, and yet he has no time for God. He's stolen from himself and his fellow man and God. He's a thief and a robber and an outlaw, but somehow Jesus says to him, today shalt thou be with me in paradise, my friend. This undeserving one, how could this undeserving one have any help whatsoever or deserve any help? Yes, he's suffering for his own sin. Verse 40 says the word condemnation. He looks over to the other guy and say, hey, you know, we're in the same condemnation. We've been condemned. What does that mean? He's suffering for his own sin. You know, sin has a way of finally catching up with people. Well, it may take the end of your road. But I tell you what, you may not even get caught at the end, but you'll be get caught maybe not here, not in the here, but in the hereafter. There's never a way to get away with sin. The wages of sin is death. This man is suffering for his own sin. So how could Jesus open paradise for this man? He's unworthy of the least mercy. He's helpless to save himself. He can't work for his salvation. Religion today tells most, depending on what religion you're a part of, there's something you got to do. If there's something you have to do to have some type of afterlife, this man here on the cross, he has no afterlife. He has no hopes of any heaven or any paradise because there's nothing he can do. His hands are nailed. Don't you understand that? People tell me from time to time, Brother Juan, I'm working at it. As far as this man himself is concerned, could he do any work? No, his work is over. His hands are nailed. His feet are nailed. He cannot pay for his salvation, my friend. He's hung. As far as salvation is concerned, if there's any hopes of paradise, heaven, if there's a price that has to be paid, somebody else is going to have to pay the price. 
My friend, you can't take an ordinance or observe a ceremony. How could Jesus say, today thou shalt be with me in paradise? My friend, as far as this man, he's so undeserving. There is just no grace available for him because there's nothing he can do. Could he be baptized? No. He's hanging on a cross. My friend, hands, feet, can he join a church? He can't get down and join a church. He's fixing to die. If he is to have any hopes of an afterlife, if he is to have this word, we see in the New Testament, this word saved, if he is to be saved, it's going to have to be 100% by grace because this man is not deserving of anything. This man, though, there's something in his heart. If you can just just read with me just a little bit, there's something within this man that's a little different. Verse 40, it says, But the other answering rebuked him, said, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? What does he say? Don't you fear God? Oh, what's causing this man to look over at Jesus Christ? There's fear of God left in this man, even though he's a thief. And he confesses as to his own sinfulness. He said in verse 41, but we indeed justly, for we received due reward of our deeds with our hands. We took things that was not ours. We were thieves. And now our hands are hung. And my friend, not only does he evidently understand his sinfulness as far as his deeds, but it's his punishment and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward. He understands he is receiving justice, my friend. As far as we think about deserving punishment, yes, deserve the punishment. But the last part of verse 41, now, once again, something jumps off the page at me. It says, but this man hath done nothing amiss. He looks over at the thief that's cursing and blaspheming. He says, shut up. Don't you fear God? This man has done nothing amiss. What is he confessing to? How did he know that? How did he know Jesus was not guilty? Oh, he has come face to face with Jesus Christ before. Somewhere in his life, we think about the three and a half year ministry of our Lord, he's heard something about this Jesus over and over again. And he understands Oh, yes, his own sinfulness, but he also is confessing here to Christ sinlessness. This man hath done nothing amiss. Then he must be there for somebody else. As far as paying a sin debt, he doesn't owe the debt. It's the people in front of him, my friend, that are guilty. And then he says this. This jumps off the page at me also. Not only does he understand something about the sinlessness of Christ, but he says, Jesus, Lord, what? Jesus, he understands who this man is. He knows his name. Jesus, what is that word? That's the word for Savior. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And then he says, Lord, my friend, that's deity. Lord, the Supreme One, Lord, Jehovah God, does he understand that this was the one that said, I and my Father are one? He looks out the side of his eye, and he looks over at Jesus Christ, and he's seeing Jesus on a cross. Oh, it's already working. You said, what, Brother Mon? Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 32, he said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. 
What? The drawing power of Jesus Christ is working. This thief, he understands some things about himself, that he's a guilty sinner. There's no hope and no help for him. And he's looking at Jesus, and he sees Jesus as this sinless Savior Lord. And the power of the, we think about the power of the cross, the preaching of the cross, my friend. The power of that cross is already drawing sinners. This man has been drawn to Jesus Christ. He also must anticipate, verse 42, he said, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Wow, that jumps off the page too. What is he saying here? Jesus has no kingdom. Jesus is dying. His kingdom that he came to give to the nation of Israel is over with. He said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Oh, he must have known something about John 3. Remember, verily, verily I say unto thee, you must be born again. And without that, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There's something after death. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The best promiser, Jesus. The best place, paradise. The best time today. The best company, Jesus said, You'll be with me. Now, the problem with this, could someone get to the end of their life and be saved? I will say this. Oh, if you could die side by side with Jesus Christ, if you knew the exact time of your death, which you don't know, the bottom line is this salvation is for today. Today shall thou be with me in paradise. So salvation is for today. There's no promise for tomorrow. Oh, do you know the Savior? Can you, do you know this best promiser? Oh, the best place. Oh, today now, absent from the body. Present with the Lord, the home of the soul, the best company with Jesus Christ. Do you know Christ as your Savior? If he's able to save the dying thief, he's able to save you and also to keep us. Until next week, Fisher Mund, sing goodbye.